Why go to all the trouble of experiencing the great outdoors for yourself when you can listen to a few Northwest Outdoor experts yap about it? This is the Three Rivers Marine Outdoor Line with Tom Nelson, Rob Ensley, and Joey Pyburn on Seattle Sports Station. The Outdoor Line is brought to you by Yamaha, Sportco Outdoor Emporium, Weldcraft and Duckworth Boats, Roy Robinson RV, Kitsap Marina, Harbor Marine, Rain Marine, and Les Schwab Tires. Hello, good morning and welcome to the Outdoor Line. Streaming live on MyNorthwest.com. Don't forget about the live video feed on 710sports.com. And of course, the venerable V, OutdoorLine.com with blogs, podcasts, so very, very much more. And in, in, in coming to you shortly, probably a picture of Joe Pyburn with a bear. A Man, bear. you notched an August bear tag this week. Yep, I did. And I had a amazing bear roast for dinner last <laughs> night. And my wife was very impressed with my my meat gathering skills and my cooking skills. That's awesome, dude. She's completely shifted gears from fishing on me. But we're, we're going we're to get back to that show. Fishing? You know, what is fishing? fishing? Yeah, no, I hear you, man. Um, I tell you what fishing is. I got, I'm, I'm going to go pull crab gear this morning and uh, we're going to we're just going to kind of make you know I, it's labor day weekend okay and i'm dealing with it the best i can i'm just going to treat i'm, I'm just going to treat september 3rd and 4th as if it was july 3rd and 4th minus the chinook fishing right uh, yep. i mean dude nice freaking weather relief captain jeff palco on board <laughs> yes so so we're we're monkeying around was he dude. just sitting on the deck staring out there wanting well, to go get those crab yesterday. It was the cool thing was, you know, we we, we pick them up at the airport. They flew, flew in last night from Boy or Thursday night from Boise. And then and then, you know, the girls go for a walk down on the beach on, on, on Friday morning. We get these texts, come on down, there's a whale, there's a whale. And next thing we see, so we walk down to the beach and here they're here they go in the kayaks and they're they're heading out towards the whale. So we they they had they had a gray whale experience yesterday, which is so cool. It so, is so quintessentially Pacific Northwest. And and uh but here we are in the in the throes of September and you kinda you're feeling that you're feeling that, that 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 fall weather kind of creep in in the morning, right? You know, the temperatures are in the low 50s in the morning and stuff. But, hey, we got a beautiful weekend ahead of us, right? And and so so it's going to be, you know, a lot of crab and a lot of football today. But uh, but I tell you what, there the, there there are some coho being caught. I, we finally we we were just looking at the creel checks, WDFW posts uh, every week, and and we're starting to see some healthier numbers show up at Alston's out of CQ. Yeah, which is which is what we need to see. We need to see some of those fish start to move. I look, I I still don't I'm not ready to sound the alarm. Um, you know, talking to Dave Johnson last week, one of his buddies was out at Nia Bay dropping pipe jigs with treble hooks on them. Yeah. And the this guy Halibut fishes a lot. He said in a normal year he will snag up to about five coho during the season. Sure. He snagged twelve in one day. <laughs> well, the the grits are so good in the ocean right now, and that's kind of what I'm hanging my hat on a little bit. But the, 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 it's keeping them out. There. And the that, lack of rain, 100%, we, we just haven't had that little push of fresh we've had out there to get them to move. One of the driest Augusts we've had in a long, long time. And I mean, fractions of inch of, of rain in the rain gauge, and most of it's evaporated. You know, if you look at if you look at all our you look at the NWRFC, the, the Northwest River Forecast Center. I mean, they're just flatlined, right, mm-hmm. or, or or continuing to drop. And uh, and you know, and the guys up in the San Juans that are that are looking for coho up there are just you know they're encountering Chinook more than coho. Lots of them. Yeah, and and so and so what's that tell you? Now, our our, our buddy Nikki Kester, All Star Charters yesterday, ended up with a boat limit of coho out of Area Ten. I'm hearing lots of you know lots of those early boatload too. Yeah. Nine off the water by nine, yeah. nine thirty. Which, but you know. 
those. So, so we're looking at the Edmonds Coho Derby homepage, right? Because that's next week, right? And and what and you look at the coho on the front of that page. Crankers, they're man. big, good, healthy, nice hook coho. nose. Look at this big hook yeah. nose right here. So beautiful. So and that kicks off. So jump over to EdmondsCohoDerby.com and get some youth outreach and a bunch of stuff. So you can get tickets to the, the Edmonds Coho Derby from our friends at Three Rivers Marine, Bayside Marine, Harbor Marine, John Sporting Goods, Outdoor Emporium, Sport Co. You know, go check it out or just jump on Edmonds Coho Derby. So that event is next Saturday. Okay. Out of the port of Edmonds, that's going to be a pretty solid litmus test because this this event's open in eight one eight two nine and ten, and and this is the big difference about this derby is you don't have uh, a freshwater aspect to these, but boy, it, it it'll be a tough way to make a living right now <laughs> to to try to find coho in in any of our rivers right now because well a- well on the opener, um, I had a couple buddies up on the Skagit just poking around. And uh, I heard a three coho caught up there. And oh, no I mean, kidding. there's not a lot yeah. of guys up there searching for them right now. But, you know, three coho, if they caught three, one boat got two, one boat got one. Trust me, there's more coho in the system already. Um, so they are slipping in there and, and getting up into the rivers. But like you said, I think there's still just a lot of fish out there in the in the ocean. And, and, and the thing about coho is... They could show... Look, we could get a little bit of weather, just even just a, a storm, a, yeah. a nice push of, of wind out there on the coast and those coho will start to move and it's interesting you say that because i'm looking at the uh washington marine forecast and the long range out in the ocean is tuesday and wednesday it's 15 to 25 so so it's going to be mix it know, up a little it's going to mix it up pretty big it's going to be there's going to be some nine foot ten foot stuff coming in out there 10 to 20 on wednesday same kind of thing west swell building to six feet and, and, a, and a two to four foot wind chop on that so that's kind of the whole ten feet at ten seconds program out there. It's gonna that's gonna be a little tough on the little tuna, poopy, little tough on the tuna fleet. So, uh, but uh, that that's gonna be interesting too. Speaking of tuna, that still continues to be a solid, solid deal. Our buddy Robbie Tobek went out and loaded the boat with him out of Owaco, all on the troll. So it was it was once they found him, it was doubles, triples, and quads on on the troll gear. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, and, and I wish we could have made it out there with him, but because uh, I have zero tuna in the freezer, and I could definitely use some. Yeah, but, but I'd that, rather have more bear meat yeah. in the freezer, to be quite honest. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I'd rather have a little hot, little warm crab, and those uh, those tuna carcasses for the last for the last opener will definitely pull. definitely pull fish in. But yeah, and and a quick reminder: while we do have a couple extra days in in Marine Area Seven for crabbing, I saw that you got to get your gear out of the water if you're a Puget Sound crabber or out in the Straits and all that stuff. We it, it closes. At dusk on Labor Day, okay. Mm-hmm. So, so make sure you get your uh, get your crab gear out uh, on that program. One last too. crab feed. One last crab feed, and uh, you know, then then the, the the weirdness this week obviously was the closure and subsequent forty eight la- hour later reopening in in Marine Area Thirteen. <laughs> so, we'll, yeah. yeah, we'll, we'll Oops. yeah, it's you know, I mean, look, <laughs> we they publish regulations for a reason, right? And if if you are making a wild fish or conservation issue, but you know that was that was an emotional closure is all that was, and it was, you know, it's it's just another sign of of dysfunctional government, and and it just it bothers me tremendously. And and again, you know, we talked about this before the show. Same thing, you know, same thing we saw on CQ, mm-hmm. where where we had, we were given a published season that just shifted into a quota, and so these moves can be made you know, at the drop of a hat and, and, and they're, you know, unadvised, right? Yeah. We need to tether our our fisheries management to abundance. And right now you can make the case that that is certainly not the case. Meanwhile, down on the Columbia, 
That Jeez, that axe dude. that axe fell quickly well, and, and brutally. You know the thing that bugs me about that one is okay. I get it. If you got to shut it down, you got to shut it down. But when you have people who have paid money and are in route traveling across the country to go fish with a guide and you just shut it down without any notice, you don't give people any time. You got people flying in to Portland that day and it is shut down. Yeah, and and that's that's a big issue. My issue is the way that during the is the way that the the estimation the metrics were set up when when that shifted to any Chinook the the, the impacts jumped five hundred percent on that fishery. In other words, the way they gauge the impacts on the tulies that Lower Columbia um, spawning stock of Chinook that, mm-hmm. that this whole that this fishery is managed by right. And the other thing is we really need to educate people to just let the wild tulies go, which is what that whole program was about. The first twenty one days of August down on Buoy Ten when it was selected for Chinook. Right, and that really dampened the pressure and slowed things down. But the reason for that was so they could have a public season that would roll through September seventh. Right. Yeah. So now the Columbia is closed for all salmon fishing from Buoy Ten on up to Bonneville Dam, and, and so that's a big stretch of river right there, dude. And the coho were just starting to oh, pour yeah. into the lower yeah. estuary. I yeah. mean, the guys were just whacking on them, and right. they were big, nice, healthy coho, and they were. They were encountering way less Chinook at that point. Sure. Um, so yeah, it's a, that's a bummer, man. All, all those guys. I my phone blew up. And oh man. You, yeah. There's well, crying was, guides like, oh, what am I going to do? <laughs> I, I got to go up river. Yeah. The, you the, know, they, the, the wife just the wife just started talking to me again because I actually made the house payment this yeah. month. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. yeah. No, it's 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 a tough deal for sure, but. Meanwhile, we are waiting for some code to come in. We're, uh, you know, it's Labor Day weekend. Welcome to it. Long weekend for some folks. Get out there on, on Monday, get some stuff. But, I mean, again, I'm not completely alarmed that you know, that we're not seeing, you know, waves of ocean coho by Labor Day. Typically, it's it's shortly thereafter. So, I think the Edmonds Coho Derby pretty be pretty well-timed. Go- I'm, liking the, I'm liking the looks of these, uh, our show sheets here. We got Robbo. Yeah. What, oh, yeah. Let's see. Joey, Yogi, and Boo Boo Bear Notch in August. We got Robbo coming in at, uh, uh, he's coming in. 625. About 625. Yeah. Well, yeah, then we got Mark Boardman at seven, and we got Joe Roeder checking in from. From over there at Reds, we're going to get this a, is a we're going to get a little a, bit. We're going to get this a, is a li- hunting heavy show. Right we're going to get a little bit of fishing out of Robbo, but he's that's in the rear view now. I don't think we'll he, get a bit of sent, fishing. He, he put us, his boat away. Okay, he, he sent us a picture of an empty garage that that's all set up for him to back the boat yeah. in last night. Polar bear is getting gonna put con- away. Connect the dots on that. Of course, Ray Marine picks of the week follows that up, and as you mentioned, yeah, Mark Boardman, which is who has the greatest job title in in the history of of outdoor job titles he's the product experience manager mm-hmm. for vortex optics product experience he's a price, so he gets to go use hunting scopes and 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 spotting scopes and yeah. binoculars and a whole bunch of other stuff and great guy uh spent some time on on, on the water with him for sure and, and of course we've been running vortex for quite a while les schwab's northwest outdoor port and yes you mentioned it joe wrote a red fly shop that's a cast and blast that mm-hmm. is absolutely, and, and we got to get over there and do that. Pheasants and trout. A little bit, and, and then you'll run the dogs over some roosters the next day in this canyon. So, and they're, they're, you know, something of a captive audience, but it's a great warm up, right? Oh, and it's then, perfect. And, yeah. then, and then when it warms up a little bit, you go you back to the lodge, you have a little lunch, and then you float down the Yakima, which, if, if the Yakima River is not an absolute chunk of Montana that was dropped right in the middle of Washington, that's freaking 90 minutes from here. If yeah. that, if that, 
right? It's, yep. It's it, just a quick hop over the mountains. Oh. And right now, that Yakima River is perfect. You know, it, during like spring and, and early summer, that thing can get pretty big. Oh, yeah. And a little bit oh, dude. difficult to float. Right now, the, it, the water levels here. are down, and you can float that thing and get out and wade all over the place, and, and just beautiful. That that canyon is amazing. Joey's in full hunt mode. I pull There's in, sheep there. So, there's pheasant there. There's so, deer there. So I pull into the Starbucks parking lot, and I, I smelled black bear. <laughs> Why did I smell black bear? Give me 90 seconds. We're going to tell you right here on the outdoor line. Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. From the shining shores of Puget Sound to your radio, this is the Outdoor Line on Seattle Sports Station. Matt Nelson rolling the TJBB, the Tijuana Brass Band. That's awesome. This was not my idea. No, it is. This is Herb Alpert. This is good stuff right here. So if I'm looking at this right, so we got an early goose hunt happening right now. And shooting hours... Western Washington start at 6 a.m. Oh, so it's op- it's open right now? Is that what we're trying to say? Yeah, it's 6.15 now, Ooh. so it seems a little dark out. <laughs> but, but okay, yeah. go get them, boys. Yeah, that's it. Just fire, fire up the flare and, yeah. uh, and, and, and get after them. You have started your hunting season, Joe Pyburn. You you made a couple initial forays into the high country, and, and this is this is this is vertical stuff. I mean, you're you're you know up high, up off Highway Two, let's yeah. say, right? And and uh, and up up in the mountains you go and you kind of go and you kind of see one and then but then uh, you, we we saw each other this week while we were messing around with some bait and whatnot and you headed up into the high country and bef- and then I'd sit down on my couch just like oh wow that didn't take long yeah nice bear it doesn't always happen like that no but, it's very cool um, though, if you man. spend enough time climbing around where the bears live uh, eventually you will get lucky and you will stumble onto one the evening you're hiking in um uh pretty cool spot i've i've learned some stuff about bears um i don't know if i should even say this on air but you know the really popular hiking trails where you see lots of cars and a lot of hunters go well you don't want to go there there's lots of people bears don't really care about hikers at all they just move out of the way and so I've learned that I look for some of the most popular hiking trails in Washington State, and I go right there, and I park my Subaru Outback. I look just like a, a hiker from Seattle. <laughs> you're you're, and, you're uh, hiking with a rifle. Yes, yeah. and then I go hike up the mountain, and what I do is I hike up the mountain until I can jump a ridge and get away, just away from the trail. And um, we talk about abundance. Well, in Washington State, there's plenty of bears. They're like rats up there in the berry fields. There's so many bears. And uh, all you got to do is get up in that 5,000-foot range. So we did that, my buddy Isaac Vale. That's all you got to um, do. Just just get up to the 5,000-foot range. Yeah. 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 It, it would take, it takes a little physical fitness to get up to the 5,000-foot range. Let's make no mistake Well, about listen. That. Yeah. Hey, I have not been doing any working out. I've been all You're summer long on standing boat. on yeah. the back deck of the CB, <laughs> staring at my Ray Marine and running my Cannon Downrigger. There you go. So I've... I'm not the picture of fitness right now, but um, you can find some spots where you can get up pretty high to start, you know, to that 3,500-foot mark. And to get up to 5,000, it's not that bad of a climb. But we left the trailhead about 3.30 in the afternoon and uh, did a, only did about a mile on the trail and then jump a ridge and do a couple miles up that ridge to get to that 5,000-foot range. And, and that's where it kind of opens up and you got the the huckleberries. Right. 
and you can smell it. You, when you get up there, there's so many of them right now. It's it's a really good crop. Uh, you can smell it, and that's what the bears smell. That's why they're up there. Be- because of the snowpack, because of the amount of moisture up there, there's been a Absolute, bunch of berries. Absolutely. And then the the lack of rain, but all that sun, mm-hmm. there was plenty of moisture, and we, so we have a good crop of berries. And uh, we got up to where it kind of breaks out of the timber and opens up, and that's where – I've hunted this spot a few times. I always take my backpack off. I take my rifle off. I take it out of the stealthy hunting cover, my my cousin Ryan's hunting uh, scope cover he's made. And I chamber around, put my safety on, and I, I walk very slowly the last half a mile or so, gun in hand and ready because I've seen bears up there a lot, and, and it's pretty close quarters. You'll see them within 50 or 80 yards as you're sneaking through the berry field. And that's what happened. Um, I, I was really hoping to get my buddy Isaac a bear. He'd never shot a bear before. And uh, I was in the lead and we came around a, a stand of timber and boom, right there in front of us is a bear in the open feeding. I was able to, you know, scan around real quick and it, it was a bear by itself in the open. You know pretty quickly if, if you got a sow with cubs because the cubs are usually right behind mama. Um, and then... The bear looked right at me. I threw my rifle up and, <laughs> and made a very quick at, shot with that brown, my Browning 6.8 Western. And I'll tell you what, I've, I think I've killed four critters now with that, that gun. And that is a very deadly round. Dude. That 175 grain bullet is very accurate. It goes in and always leaves a golf ball size hole, the exit hole. And double lung shot, that bear went 40 yards piled up and uh, we had a bear on the ground. Um, so we took a f- few quick picks and split, got to the glassing knob. I set up Isaac. I said, you sit here. Here's my rifle. I'm going to take yours with me and use my rifle because this thing's dialed. And I went back and, you know, rugged out my bear, boned out all the meat, hung it in the tree, met Isaac back where we were going to camp in the dark. We went to sleep, woke up at about four 30 that morning. I made coffee um, Isaac had a pretty rough night of sleep because he showed up without a without a sleeping pad. Oh, yeah. oh, that's that's that's. I rock, was like, Rocky what you a, Raccoon? What are you a mountain man, dude? Get a sleeping pad. You make a decent living. What are yeah. you crazy? Um, so he had a horrible night of sleep, but we we had some coffee and then I took all the stuff to break, you know, for yeah, breakfast. Sure, my sure. jet boil and a, a couple bags of dehydrated, freeze dried breakfast. We climb up to the glassing knob, set up in the dark. Sun's coming up. It's just, it's so beautiful. Yeah, you, you posted that picture. Amazing. Too. Just for, uh, beautiful shot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's worth the price of admission oh, for sure. right there. Yeah. Just see, the, watching the sunrise. From any, if you feel like you're on the top of the world right and there. And you too. kind of yeah, are. Yeah. You, the top of my little world. Yeah. Um, so we glass for about 40 minutes. Nothing out there, but it could happen anytime. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to slip over the ridge and make breakfast. You just keep watching. Let me know if you see anything. And I get my jet boil out of my pack, get two bags of food, and I'm just getting ready to stand up and slip over the ridge where I can make some noise and do my stuff. And Isaac goes, Joey, a bear. <laughs> and I turn around and look, and this bear comes out in an opening. I knew the opening because I've been there. 230, 230 yards is where he first came out. He moved down to about 215 and stopped right behind three little trees in the middle of this opening. And so I 
had Isaac set up on my rifle with my Spartan bipod. I mean, it's a dialed system. I shoved my exo backpack under his chest, so he laid down prone, Rocks locked, locked in. And I said, "Hey, this bear is going to come out of that behind those trees. It's going to stop. They always do. They'll come out and they'll just stop. And for whatever reason, they won't just walk out and go right into the timber. They like will stop and usually feed a little bit." And it did exactly that. Came out, stopped. I said, okay, breathe, relax, and when you're ready, squeeze one off. The, and I'm, I'm on my, my Vortex 12 by 50 UHDs. Those things are crystal clear. I'm watching this bear. I've never seen a bear jump. Vertically. Straight up, four wow. feet in the air. Came down, back legs hit first and kicked and went straight into the timber. And, um, you know, Isaac can't see any of that because there's a oh, little yeah, bit behind of the scope. Yeah. He goes, did I get it? And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you hammered that bear. And so we sat there for a bit. I made breakfast. We strap on the micro spikes cause it's crazy steep getting in there and then make the climb in. It takes us about an hour to get down there and, uh, amazing blood trail, which you don't always get with a bear. Um, those bears have a lot of fur, oh and goodness. then also yeah. they have so much fat that the fat will kind of plug up the hole. But this bear, it was a great shot, uh, double lung again, and the bear was 40 yards, but 40 yards, like, you almost need rappelling gear to get oh, yeah. in there. So you've not, you haven't even been in there 24 hours now. And we have two, and, bears, and two down. bears down. So we rug that one out. Beautiful rugs on these these August bears. They're, they, they're not all rubbed up. They're yeah. super thick fur. So we got two nice rugs, a pile of bear meat. We climb out of there, get back, break down camp, and then, you know, have to load my bear. Each of <laughs> us have a whole bear on our back plus camp and hunting gear. 100-pound packs? Yeah, right there. Wow. I mean, maybe maybe 90. Um, could have been 100, though. I mean, they're they're heavy. I wasn't really in shape and ready for that this early in the season, but whatever. It was fine. No, dude, that's that's what a great story. What a great hunt. And, and now – but. The, the, the interesting thing to me is, you know, the, the time that, that I spent, um, you know, working sockeye life history research at the University of Washington on, on Alaskan Peninsula when we saw a lot of bears and, and they'd come in the villages and they'd bite the seats off of three wheelers and, and, and eat, 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 you know, the garbage dump bears, yeah, right? You know, yeah. dump, dumpster bears and stuff. And they weren't all the, 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 you know, the Aleuts were not all that mess, all that fired up about eating them just because of what they've been into. But you made the point that, those those Alaska brownies sometimes eat a lot of dead stuff, a lot of salmon carcasses, a lot of strong smelling stuff. They get into a garbage dump. That then they but these all these bears they're they're eating sweet berries and so their meat is just well and, and clean. they're 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 kind of like vegetarian bears because yeah. we don't have a ton of you know a, a very high undulated population sure. here in, on the west side. So these bears aren't encountering a lot of yeah. dead deer or elk or anything like that. They're eating berries in the fall this time of year and when they come out in the spring they're eating grass so these are like like yeah. these are like grass fed herbivorous bears cows yeah, I you know it. and i people always ask me what 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 is bear meat like Just i'm like okay de- depends on what they've been eating I said sure. well the ones that i get are yummy <laughs> i i explain it like this imagine a pig wanders into a cow's field and somehow they have relations and they produce an offspring that's what these bears are like. It's like a cross between a, a, like pork and beef. 
And and it's I'm in. It's yummy. I'm definitely in. I'm definitely in. All right, but we got to get out of this segment because we got Robbo in the wings waiting from uh, from Southeast Alaska. We're gonna do a we're gonna probe his uh, his complete crustification here on the outdoor line. Seattle Sports Station seven ten and Seattle Sports app. Welcome to the BOMAC Tech Line. BOMAC has all the gear for all your techniques, and SMI shellfish gear is simply the best. BOMAC, we catch big fish. 866-979-3776. That is the Reverse Shine Hotline by Tri Wellcraft Duckworth Northwest Boat, and also the Text Toy powered by Yamaha Outboards. And uh, do we have a caller? Do we have a, I think we have a caller, yes. And his name is Rob Ensley. <laughs> Actually, we called mm-hmm. him. Uh, good morning, is it is it Captain Krusty this morning? Or are we are we are we done with our charter season? Are we how are we feeling? How are we feeling these days, Robbo? Oh, it's full of crustification oh, here in, okay, in Craig, Alaska. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah, yeah. The guys ran their last trip yesterday. Uh, Matt and Troy. They just had one more group there, and, and uh, I was down at the dock when Matt pulled in. And, hey, hey, congrats! You know, last last day, good job. You know, and he just let out this this big sigh of relief, like like you know, you, you could just see the rumminess on his face. It it's a lot, man. Just a lot of days on the water for you guys, and I'm, I'm sure it's it's time for everybody to kind of get their feet back on dry land and not have to be on the ocean every day. And you are going to be jumping on a plane and headed for for a caribou hunt. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm trying to get out of here early next. We've talked about this last couple of weeks here, but um, yeah, trying to get up there and and uh, jumping a, a couple of little cubs and. And uh, fly into the wilderness here in Alaska. You know, the one thing you got to deal with up here is weather. And I talked to our pilot yesterday, and he said, "Yeah, they're they're dealing with some weather." Um, so hopefully, we can get in there, and, you know, and slide in and, and uh, have it all go off without a hitch. But it is what it is up here. If we got to sit around and you know sleep in the hangar for a couple of days, that's what we'll do. You know. Yeah, it and sounds then, like uh, you guys are getting like a ton of rain, right? Oh, it, it rained an inch last night here, blew about 40. But, of course, we're in southeast Alaska, so uh, it's going to be different up there. But but they have experienced a really, uh, really wet summer up there um, in that neck of the woods. So we'll see. You know, it is what it is. You just got to kind of take it as she comes up here. But we're ready. Uh, Chris was still texting me last night at midnight, you know, packing <laughs> this little thing and that little thing. You got to make sure. It'd be just every tiny little thing you got to make sure you got. I mean. And you got to plan for everything, like like, you know, a, a gun cleaning kit. You know, sometimes you might not bring something like that with you on a on a remote trip like this. But what if, what if you slip and fall and and stuff something in the end of your barrel or something? You got to, you know, uh, you Joe, you've done this before, and I have too. You you fill up the end of your barrel with oh, yeah. mud or some darn thing. Yep. And you got to be ready for it, you know. So uh, just going through all those little details now that. That stealthy hunter cover helps with that quite a bit because it, it covers the end of your barrel. It does. Uh, it, that thing's sweet, and I've got that packed as well, um, which is nice because it covers the scope too and uh, really keeps you from damaging your scope on a hunt like this because everything's just so critical. You know, you're back in, in the remote wilderness for a week plus, and uh, everything's got to be accounted for. But um, that's it, man. We're just ready to go, ready, ready to get out you're, there. You're so. way better, Rob, at the – the planning and packing part than I am. It's my least favorite part of hunting. I, I will go through all my totes, pack for a hunt and get everything packed up. And then like the night before I'll tear everything apart and do it all again because I worry that I like, did I, did I put my stereo pin in there? Did I put an extra this? And you're very like organized, way more organized. You're better at suffering. 
than I am. You're more used. To, you're more accustomed to That's it. That's because I'm. You're, you're I'm not as smart as you are. Oh, I don't know about that, but uh, yeah, you know these remote trips. I mean, we experienced it with that elk hunt, man. I mean, I got trust me, I got Benadryl in there too. Like, phew, what if something happens yeah. along those lines? Yep. You know. Um, so anyway, that's that's what's going on right now. And uh, I got that big Hilleberg tent, that big Kitem 4 GT. We got a couple cots. You know, the same setup we had in Montana uh, last year. We're flying that. It's just awesome. Awesome tent. So uh, that's what's going on, man. We're excited and, and ready to get out there and start hunting. You know, I heard, I heard not to get off the hunting subject here a little bit, but I heard Tuna mention a little bit ago. One of the guys from Craig went out two days ago and caught 21 albacore tuna. How far out? In the North Pacific. Uh, 30 miles off the coast. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. And, and, how, and he goes out every year. How often uh, do they get them up the, you know, uh, that close? You know, I, I would say, uh, call it 50% of the time. He okay. goes every year. His, his name's Kirk Agnett. He's got Sure Strike Lodge up here. He's one of the original charters here in Craig. He's been here forever. And he goes out every year and, and just to see what happens. And I'd say half the time he gets them. You know, he'll make one or two trips this year with fuel. It might only be one trip, but, um, but yeah, Albacore tuna, uh, 30 miles off. Pretty remarkable. It sounds like they're getting them pretty good down your way too. So, so that yeah, was pretty cool. No question about it. The only thing holding up the fleet in, in Iwako is the fact that there's so much fresh water coming down on the Columbia river. That they can't hold anchovies in the Marina, but that's not the case in Westport. And, and it's just, it's been wide open. We actually had Mitch Coleman on last week and I, th- I talked to Mark a little bit too, and um, yeah, it's just it, it's hammer time out there. If you can get out there and go, now there's a little blow coming a little later this week. You know, we saw like midweek, fifteen to twenty-five type stuff, and you know, six foot swell with another two to four foot wind chop on top of that. So that's that's like ten feet at ten seconds right now. So that may put a pause in things. But what we're hoping, Robbo, is is that 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 stirring up and that change of wind direction may just push these coho that are gorging themselves on Swiftsure, you know, off of Nia Bay, and they'll start kind of leaking into uh, to CQ, and, and and they have been. We're starting to see some some uh, an uptick with some ocean coho moving into the straits, but, man, we're still kind of waiting for them to show up in, in, in decent Sorry, numbers Joe. Joe, in 9 I, and 10. I just mm-hmm. uh, tuna. Totally Sorry, did. I kind of got the whole thing off into the weeds, yeah. so... Anyways, back to hunting. <laughs> so, so l- let me ask you this. Let's give our listeners a little tip. How, when you're planning for a hunt like this, where do you start? Like, do do you sit down with a, a pad and pencil and start kind of listing the things you need, or do you go to the garage and start opening up totes and and you know grabbing the things that you want to have on the hunt and putting them in a, an empty tote? That's kind of my program. But how do That's you start? Kind of what I do. I, I literally have a tote. Yeah. Same thing as you, Joe. And uh, I started loading stuff in that tote. That tote's been loaded. Actually, it was loaded even in, uh, you know, in back in the spring when we came up. I kind of had most of it dialed in. And then, you know, I think people tend to overpack, like, their clothes. You know, they think they need to bring a big bag of clothes. I mean, and you do the same thing, Joe. I, I don't bring much in the way of clothes. Maybe one change of clothes, and that's it. You know, um, so I, I definitely don't overpack on the clothes side of things. Um, if I was going to overpack, it would be food and, of course, water. Um, yes. You know, or, or a means to make water. And so in, in this case, we're bringing in a pump and then, of course, a SteriPan. And we've got a couple of big collapsible uh, water jugs for storing water while we're in there. Um, you know, and, and so that's kind of where I start. You're, you always get your basics, though. Your basics are always the same, pretty much, you know. 
on a hunt like this. You're caught in your pad, your sleeping bag, and you're, you're some, way, some way to cook. Um, you know, usually it's a jet boil or a, a camp chef or something like that. But, uh, yeah, I kind of, I've kind of always got the same thing set up and then just kind of adjust accordingly. You know, when we're backcountry hunting, it's pretty, pretty basic, you know, but, uh, this, on this hunt, we're actually having an extra flight in so we can get some extra gear in. Otherwise we'd be really, it'd be really tough. Um, well, you're talking about a a totally different experience when you are flying in someplace and you have, there's no cell service. Uh, Mm -hmm. you're probably going to be contacting your, your pilot through either your inReach or some, you know, you can get a sat phone or something. You you can't just hike out and go to your truck and go get something if you don't have it. Well, and you got to be prepared. You might get stuck in there. Sure. Weathered in. So, you know, okay. Okay. This is a week long hunt. I'm going to bring seven days worth of dried food. Well, you better think about maybe an extra two or three days and you might want to bring a book too. Because you might be stuck <laughs> yeah. in the tent. Yeah, I'm bringing a book. I mean, you might be stuck in the tent for two, three days. Download, not a, even be able to get download a bunch of podcasts on your yeah. phone, too. You and I do that. We listen to podcasts yeah. when we're back there. Uh, sure. My dream is to get stuck in Alaska. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, not, well, not for ju- judging, real long, maybe just like an extra week ju- or so. Judging by the look in his face, the last time I saw him leave Alaska and I was staying, yeah, I, I, I believe he definitely mm. wants to get stuck up there, Robbo, no question about it. So, so, you, so you take off. Tuesday is that the and, and it's a week. Yeah, you're, you're back there for a week head, or ten days. Tuesday, head, uh, head north Tuesday, and then we got to run around Anchorage and gather up a bunch of supplies. And sure, get a vehicle, blah blah blah. And yeah, I mean, I'm, we're you know up there seven to ten days, and, and really hoping to be back for Sanford Soldiers. But uh, who knows how this is going to go? I sure, mean, this it could go any w- different direction. All I know is I got to be home by our anniversary, or I'm going to be in in the doghouse. <laughs> but I'm, I'm used to the doghouse. Actually, I've got the doghouse set up pretty nice. No, I did it's for very sure. So. Yeah. So uh, we're uh, we're definitely going to do uh, a remote from the Port Everett on the seventeenth, just so we can make it a longer drive for you if you're here. Yeah, and yeah, uh, and and then uh, so so we actually th- over the next weekend, three weekends, we got three events: the Edmonds Coho Derby on the tenth, Sandwich for Soldiers on the seventeenth, and then the, the, and then it all kind of winds up for us on on the on the fishing side on the on the twenty fourth, twenty fifth with the Everett Coho Derby again taking place out of the Port Everett. And uh, so, yeah, man, we we definitely hope for uh, hope uh, for a, a safe and productive hunt for you. I can't wait to see the pictures and 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 hear the stories. Joey just told us a, a great story earlier this hour and about his bear mm-hmm. hunt. And I, I know once you get that trophy caribou down, uh, we're, we're in for another story, Robbo. Awesome! Yeah, I can't wait. Well, you guys uh, have a great rest of the day here, and I'm gonna keep packing. So, all right, buddy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right well, yeah. can't, can't wait. You stay safe, my friend, and keep in touch, Robbo. Good luck. Have a great weekend. All right, all right buddy. later, Talk buddy. To you soon. Bye. Well, that that means we're not going to be able to get him on the radio show next week, right? Yeah, yeah, dude. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. That, that, uh, man, and that takes uh, that, that takes some cojones to get, go get dropped off in, in in the middle of freaking nowhere, you know. And and it, but it's it's it it makes you think about things differently, for sure. For, yeah, definitely. You know, yeah. and and that's that's kind of the challenge. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool it's deal. a bi- that's a big one when you oh, it is. when you get to do your first. Alaska, you know, Robbo's done it. Um, I've, I've never done it. I've, I've hunted in Alaska, but when you start flying in and you get dropped in the middle of nowhere in one of those little super cubs yep. and they fly away and you go, and, and, and then things, okay. get, and then things get quiet, real quiet. That was, that was my first experience in Alaska was, was that exact deal because working, you know, working at a remote camp for yeah. Fisher's Research Institute and they were late in picking me up. And, and so I just get dropped on the side of this lake and they fly floatplane away. takes off, and I'm like, 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now what? Right? No, I, yeah. I experienced it the first time I flew into the Frank Church, and you get dropped in the middle of nowhere, and they yeah. fly away, and you go, and that's quiet. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I hope they come back. <laughs> At some point, At if somebody some point. goes pick up. All right. I hope you come back to hear the Ray Marine Picks of the Week. we got some stuff you need to know for the first weekend, Labor Day weekend, right here in September, right here on the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Welcome to the Outdoor Line Picks of the Week, presented by Ray Marine Electronics. Don't just go fishing, go hunting underwater. Ray Marine, simply superior. Leading the industry is multifunction navig- navigational displays, both fluid touch and hyb- hybrid touch available in the Axiom multifunctional navigational displays. Go check them out at raymarine.com. So I'm, I'm seeing a few more coho caught up Definitely. in this gadget Definitely. Than yeah. I heard of the last couple of days. Guys are texting in and, and sending me some pics right now. So, boy, I like fishing that upper. I like going up there and throwing. You're bass fishing for coho is 100%. what you're doing. You're throwing plugs. Yep. It's your, you know, twitching, twitching stuff, jigs, twitching jigs. Yep. running spinners and, 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 and river fishing for coho, right? It, 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 like if it was just you and me, if we're, if we're, you know, squirting that Yamaha 40 pump up the creek right now, one of us would probably be fishing a spinner and one of us probably fishing a plug. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing about those, they work exactly opposite of, of one another. I mean, you, you throw a floating plug out there and it's crankbait, right? So yep. the faster you crank, the more it's going to dive. Spinner, it sinks. The faster you crank, the more it's going to lift in the water column. So they they lend themselves to fishing different kind of structure. And if you're a coho angler, you need to you need to learn it all because yes. they will be they will frolic in current conditions that no self respecting chinook or steelhead would ever be caught in. And and so they don't care. They'll they'll, they'll be in the backwater and the frog water and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they'd and, be perfectly comfortable in a lake. They would be. Yeah, they'll yeah. sit in those. So those if you find lily sides. if you find lily pads in a river, that's where you find. That's where you, yeah, <laughs> bass fishing for coho. That's it. Yeah, no, and and you know I checked in with um, Rich Olson yesterday from Northwest Fishing Charters. He was out there whacking on some coho and and obviously Nikki Kester um, running some herring, running yeah. red yeah. labels, really short, like behind a behind a flasher. Yeah, like you know. 36, yeah. 44 behind a flasher, uh, little reds and, and anchovy special heads. And and it's funny, you talk to Rich, and Rich is like, yeah, I saw Nicky out here. He's leaving a wake. He's going so fast, you know. <laughs> and so different, kind of different, you know, ways to attack the coho out there. Rich is a, he trolls a little slower, and he's running hoochies, uh, still running a little bit of bait on him. Um, and Nick is trolling spoons and those red labels and just flying. Gun to my head, if I absolutely had to catch a coho today, leaving out of the port of Everett, I would not stop in Area 9. No, I'd go I... right to Area 10 for, for two reasons. Number one, I, I, I sincerely believe that the, the majority of the run component that's coming in this year is, are going to be South Sound fish. I think that was evident while, when we encountered a couple coho early in August – those either headed down Hood Canal or went to the South Sound. Just judging by the Creole reports right now. Plus, in Marine Area Ten, it's not a selective fishery. You, yes. catch, you catch a coho in Ten, you can whack it. Exactly. You 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 made the point um, before we even went on air this morning. You, you went like, well, wait a minute. Uh, during the uh, pandemic, they couldn't clip a lot of fins, right? Because they couldn't put people in the clipping trailers and get them get them together. So we're going to have a higher abundance of unclipped coho this year that are of hatchery origin. For that simple reason that uh, WDFW couldn't clip them. So we have the Edmonds Coho Derby coming Next up. Next Saturday. And there's going to be a lot of pressure down in 10 because, yeah. ah, man, it's tough to go fish nine 
and you're going to have to weed through all those yep. fish and and the majority of those fish are probably going to be there's a lot of hatchery fish but they're the clip the clip rate is going to be super low right so um i think if it was if it was me i would be down in area 10 again you, I, you, you know what you know, I'd, I'd stay on the line yep i'd stay on the, the nine, line. nine ten line you know bitch basically Ride the, the line the edmunds kingston you know ferry ferry line right there just stay south of it and and uh and just grind it grind mm-hmm. it back and forth I'd, I'd go cross current 60 to 80 feet yep, yep. on the, like on the 30, wire 35 first thing in the morning yep. and i and i'd keep one at 35 for a while right well both nick and rich said they're catching fish 60 to 80 but they're running a top rod at oh, 25 yeah. Shot, to 35 shotgun, yeah yeah which yeah. why not if you got oh, plenty of guys sure. on the boat have a have it here's the thing you do want to troll a little faster for coho so tough to run a cut plug out the back for sure but you can you can run a, a herring like an orange or red in one of those anchovy special heads, and you can put it behind there just like you would a cut plug, and and have it on a banana sinker, and have it behind the boat, and that thing will get crushed. And you know, so, and this and is sometimes also, your bigger fish are going to be absolutely. High. This is also a time for the old Les Davis deep six. Yeah, we're putting you know a diver rod out back yeah. and and do that. Coho will also eat spinners. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and do so happily, right? I even know guys that that run green old number number thirty five hot shots back behind the boat and just let those things grind, let those things crank. If you're going to do that, you better make sure that plug is tuned right. So you want it to be diving straight because you know if you got a and, and and you know there's a bunch of ways you can you can do it. You you you'll turn the eye on those things and and get them to get them to flip. But that's you know anything back behind there, dude. When coho come in. All they're interested in is feeding right now. Even though, even though they're they're you know getting in the last three four months of their life, they they feed deeper into that than than a chinook will. And they love stuff that they have to chase down. Oh, for and sure. especially like a plug. You think about you know you're trolling a plug at three and a half miles an hour. That thing is jumping around yep. back and forth, wiggling all over the place, up and down in the water column, and and they coho just respond to that well. You a know? lot of fun. That's why they're you know they're running. Their hoochie's super short. And, you know, down at buoy 10, we're seeing guys run spinners behind pro trolls mm-hmm. under 20 inches. By the way. So I don't know that you can go too short. I continue to be nothing but impressed with that David Hawken tackle Simon magnetic release. Yeah. The first guy to ever put one of those in my hands was somebody whose tackle knowledge I respect tremendously. And it's Kevin John up at Holiday Sports. He says, listen, you got to give this thing a try. Just take it. I'm not even going to charge you for it. Just take it. And and we did. And we started messing around with those. And we used them in Sitka. And we used them here in Puget Sound. And we used them down at Bowie 10. And now most, uh, all of our Dude. all of our flashers that are in play, you have rigged with those releases. And what, the, those little magnets, I'm surprised that they hold up as well as they do. In the salt water and yeah. the... It's, you know. it's interesting because you run those magnets and there's little pieces of ferrite in, in the water column, in the river and stuff like and that. And they collect and it. And they'll collect it. It, it. It's interesting. And so you can rinse those off and you clean it with WD-40. And I make and I really try to do that at the end of the day. They take a little bit of maintenance. But the cool thing about the magnets is you get a fish, you get it in a boat, and you put it back together as you're, as you're resetting your gear, that it's automatically just boop. They find each other and they just pop back together. So the act that you don't really have to reset them. Go check those out. It's it's Hawk and Tackle's Simon Flash Release. And I, dude, I'm not going to put down a whole lot of tightly tied 360 flashers anymore. It's just, it's it's a recipe 
in in this day of barbless, this day and age of barbless hooks, is just a recipe for a, a problem, right? And I've and we've landed. You're still going to lose the occasional fish. It's just part of the equation. But in in your heart of hearts, do you think we landed a higher percentage of the fish? Definitely, and I think I think it's a it's a better fish fighting experience too because you're not fighting that flasher. Absolutely, and you know we lose more fish than if it was just you and I on the boat, and we weren't hand. You Mm -hmm. lose a lot of fish on that handoff. You You know, like I'll pop it off. The Mm -hmm. fish is pulling. You know, you want to try to hand off when the fish is making a run. Yeah. So the line is tight, but it doesn't always happen, and and you you're just going to lose a lot of fish, and then, but having that flasher release allows you to feel the fish more, and and I think we definitely because you know, we're cranking less we're fish. cranking during the time we're handing that rod off, and then whoever gets that rod, they're going to sit there and not crank, right, and and just try to and feel the fish, right, and, and then we have to yell at you, yeah, yeah. We don't like to do so, that. We don't I, want to have to yell at again, you again. The t-shirt's coming. Yes. Real, 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 the outdoor line. The outdoor line. <laughs> yeah. That's coming. By the way, your little friend Maddie and that plank she made me, that barrel section, that's that's just a piece of art, dude. I really, yeah. I, I, I put that out front in our rockery and it's undercover so the rain can't get to it, but that thing's cool. I'm going to pop a little something on social media. Now, yeah, so. it's she's so cool. Yeah. Such a cool kid. Absolutely. She's an outdoorsman. Oh, yeah. She made me one with Ray's yep. Bait logo on it. So, yeah, really cool. Thank you, Maddie. All right, 866-979-3776. That's not only the Reverse Chine Hotline, that's also the text toy powered by Yamaha Outboards. We're going to pop out of here for a quick break, load that text toy up. Mark Boardman, Vortex Optics, going to jump in. The Les Schwab Tire, Northwest Dot. No report. Joe Roder, Red's Fly Shop. Roy Robinson's really wearing a whole lot more. Right here on the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and at the Seattle Sports app.